You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Office Hours, where we sit down with the chief executives, shaping the world, and answer your most important questions about leadership, career, and life. I'm Mike Steib, and today, my friends, we are sitting down with someone I have admired my entire career. A pioneer in media and technology who has created brands and companies that have defined my generation, a teammate and a friend I really value, Bob Pittman, CEO of iHeartMedia, legendary media exec. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I'm thrilled you're here. So, Bob, one thing I want to start with something you might not know about me. When I was 25, I had my first media job and I was learning the gig by reading a huge stack of broadcasting and cable magazines. And in like the eighth copy, there's this whole article on you and on the team pulling off the biggest merger in the world, which we'll get to in a minute. And I read your bio at the time. And you had ran MTV, which was the center of my universe. You had run Great Adventure, which was like the mecca for me as a kid. You ran Century 21, so you, you ran the real estate game. I mean, you had, and then you were pulling off the biggest media merger anyone had ever done. And I was like, someday I'm going to meet this guy, Bob Pittman. And you were so disappointed when you did. Uh, it was, it lived, it lived up to the hike. So as you know, we take questions from the audience here and we're going to get right into it. We had sure. a bunch of listeners who wanted to get your advice on a wide range of stuff. The team's going to let it rip. Hi, my name is Nicole from LA. Bob, MTV was a revolution, elevating music videos to the top of our culture. What was the origin of the idea and how did you make it a reality? We had this idea, um, and I, I had done a TV show on NBC. I, I came from NBC. I was at WNBC Radio programming it. I'd done a show in the 1970s called Album Tracks, which ran after Saturday Night Live. And we'd begun playing around with these video clips, these video versions of songs. And we were doing music news and information. And so I pitched the idea of let's do a video radio station. Uh, a place where people can hang out, where they want to. It's not so much that you're coming for the program, 
They're coming for the network. They want to hang out at this place. And uh, so that was the idea. The board of directors of Warner MX, which was the joint venture that controlled Warner MX Satellite Entertainment Corporation, mouthful, um, said no to the idea. It was too risky. But we got a meeting with Steve Ross, who was the CEO of Warner, and Jim Robinson, who was the CEO of American Express. And I pitched hard. And at the end of the meeting, Jim Robinson from American Express looked over at Steve Ross and said, I'm in for my half, Steve. How about you? And that was the way we got started. And Bob, how old were you at the time? I was 27. And this was, I mean, this is a, this is a career defining pitch. You must be able to close your eyes and remember it. But when you're 27, you don't think about it that way. 27, you just think, this is a cool new thing. Let's go do it. We're on a mission from God. And, uh, it, and, and by the way, it was very difficult. It didn't turn out at all as planned. It turns out that the advertisers were not ready to give money to these new networks. Uh, almost starved to death. Um, I'd been given an assignment and I was originally the, the creative head. I, I built the product, but I wasn't responsible for the advertising or running the network. And the advertising sales were so bad. About a year later, they said, hey, kid, you think you run this thing? And I go, sure. I know nothing about selling advertising. And, um, and we figured it out. And we launched in August 1, 1981. In early 1983, I was given the mandate, Bob, get this thing profitable by the end of the year or we're going to shut it down. So I was like, I learned cost cutting. I learned efficiency. I thought of every game in the world to get revenue. And actually, by the end of the year, we were profitable. Um, so it was a, a you know, you, you got to get it done. And when you got to get it done, you, you usually figure out a way to do it. The next question starts to bring us into the next phases of your career and some really interesting uh, lessons, I think, for our audience. Hi, this is Jen from Trent, New Jersey. You each had a big win early in your career. How did that cause you to think about your next move? So, Bob, after MTV, you must have been on top of the world, right? You know what? That was a really good question. And I, and I often think about that. Because I think having a win early in my career uh, gave, you know, it gave me a little bit of money. It gave me some cachet, gave me standing. I think I didn't have to prove anything after that. I think the rest of my life could be about doing stuff I found that was fun and stimulating, but not with an idea that I need to do something. Um, and I think that probably took, a, you know, the rock around my neck, off my neck. Bob, you started as a DJ. You mentioned that earlier. Today you run the audio industry. Was there a moment early in your career where you thought what's out ahead of me is this, this huge mountain I'm going to climb and now you're at the top of it? Or has this been just a series of happy coincidences and one move after the next? You know, it's interesting. that's really interesting. I think, you know, what I'm looking for, I think like most people is a stimulating, interesting life. Um, and I've never thought about things as being planned. Uh, I mean, you think about the career I've had, there's no way I could have planned it because nobody knew the internet was coming. No one knew what an internet was. They didn't know what cable networks were. You sort of, at that moment, you either say yes or no. And, uh, you know, you look, you hit a, a fork in the road and you say, which way am I going? The interesting thing is people agonize over that so much. But actually looking back now, I say, I think actually, okay, you may have a success in either one. It's not like you're a success because you picked going right or left. You just happen to pick right and you were successful there. There's probably a success down going left, too. Uh, so I think you have to have confidence that that's the case. I think you also have to have confidence that there is no plan, that life can't be planned. 
uh, that this is really about a random walk. I talk about my career is more like a meteor flying out of the sky and hitting me on the head. That this is just, there's a randomness to it. You just got to go with it. And, uh, and if you go with it, sort of everything you do is interesting. And even small stuff that seems small at the time turns out to be maybe major, big, or life-changing or life-fulfilling. And I think the most important thing is, do you wake up in the morning and have a burning desire to start work? And at the end of the day, are you sort of sad you have to stop working and go to sleep? And if you can find something like that, what you really want to make sure is you can get enough money so you have shelter, food, and some degree of comfort. But beyond that, what's great about it is just you're stimulated and you're making your life fulfilled and interesting. And that's my always my advice to people as they build their career. I think it's great advice. And uh, my career is not in the same category as yours. But after we sold my last company, I had this sensation like I could do whatever I wanted. And it's a passing feeling unless you actually do it. And I decided I was only going to take a job that could have an impact on the world I'd be excited about and that I would have a lot of fun. And in hindsight, my regret is that I didn't come to the conclusion sooner. It turns out you don't need to have had a big win. You don't need to have had to put something in the bank. You can just follow your passion and you're going to you're gonna do really well. Vanessa in Madison, Wisconsin is up next. Hey, Bob. I am a huge fan of your podcast, Math and Magic, and I aspire to be the kind of marketer you highlight in your show. So what do you look for when you hire a marketer? And what's your advice to an up-and-coming marketer like myself? Well, I think the most important thing as a marketer is study the consumer. It's all about the consumer. The, the trap is don't follow the conventional wisdom. Uh, all these rules people come up with are invented for a lot of reasons other than making you a success. So find, figure out exactly what is it you're trying to do and look very carefully at what you can find that others haven't found and then relentlessly pursue it. Um, and, and I think that, and you're trying to do something others haven't discovered. I think about some of the great successes that really went against the grain. Uh, one of my favorite examples is, is T-Mobile. You know, they didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they were up against AT&T and Verizon. And uh, what do they do? So they sort of made themselves the uncarrier. Instead of spending all their money on TV, they knew they couldn't compete with them on TV. They'd be a minor share of voice compared to those two. They looked around and said, look, AT&T and Verizon aren't using radio much. We'll go on radio. And they outspent them two, three to one on radio. And they became the dominant share of voice on radio. And with that approach and with this unique positioning, they added more subscribers quarter after quarter after quarter. But they broke all the rules because nobody else was using that game plan. And, and I think it's, you know, when you find stuff that you can do that's crafted for you, not what everybody else is doing, you'll have a much better, better way to go. And rather than reading the marketing textbooks, you're almost better reading the consumer. My favorite marketing book is Incognito, The Secret Lives of the Brain by David Eagleman who, as you know, is a neuroscientist. And he doesn't think he wrote a marketing book. I think he wrote a marketing book because it just explains a lot of how the brain works and how we come to decisions and conclusions. And I thought there's, I get more out of that book than I have any marketing book. I keep about a dozen copies in my office. And when I'm having a great marketing conversation with someone, I go, wait a minute, I want to give you a book. And I go out and grab the book and say, okay, read this. You'll love this book. You may remember we planned weddings in my last company. It was called The Knot. And we got asked if we wanted to ring the bell at the stock exchange. And there's two options. One is 
you know, you ring the bell and they like put you on a little window in the window for 30 seconds and people see, or you can really make a scene. And we showed up with half the team in wedding dresses and tuxedos. And we brought a giant cake and poured champagne for the guys on the floor. And we were on a hundred million TVs because like they're looking for content and we brought the content, but you had, we had to do something a little bit different than usual or, or who would care that we were there to ring the bell? Well, you know, I think it's also interesting. I mean, you think about MTV, what was our problem in MTV? Cable operators didn't want to put us on their system that we had to get the distribution. They wanted us to pay them. We didn't have enough money to pay them. So we, we said, you know what, we're going to do what's called pull marketing. I didn't know what that was, but at Harvard MBA worked for me and said, Bob, we should get consumer <laughs> pull. And I go, great. Sounds good to me. Uh, a guy named Mayo Stutz. And so we started this, I want my MTV. And the commercial actually was, call your cable company and say, I want my MTV. And uh, it was big stars, big music stars saying that. And the idea was we would flood the cable operators and they would be so compelled to put it on because they had consumer pressure. And, and it worked, worked like a charm. Um, and we spent a fraction of what we would have had to spend the buyer distribution to do that TV advertising with I Want My MTV. Up next, somebody's got to pay the bills. We've got a couple quick ads. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We've got uh, Rajesh in London has a eminent question next. The media industry and the tech industry have been shaped dramatically by mergers and acquisitions. You've both done a lot of deals, and Bob, you specifically have helped orchestrate the largest M&A deal in media history. What kinds of transactions work and what kinds don't? Well, look, I think if you go to the AOL Time Warner uh, example, it was, uh, you know, it was an interesting play. I thought it was a in hindsight, you know, going into it, everybody looked at what we could put together and what would work. Mm-hmm. What we failed, I think, to take into account is we didn't have a common goal. We didn't have a common game plan and we didn't have uh, a common culture that there was a huge culture clash, um, which keeps people from working together. And, you know, it's interesting if you look back at that merger, actually, in the first year after that merger, when everybody said, oh my God, it's a failing merger. I, AOL Time Warner had the highest earnings growth of any of the media companies. It actually financially was working, but the perception was it was a failure. And what you were hearing was the cultures don't mesh. And it was AOL was a company where we used all our free cash flow to continue to build the company, build new things, buy new things and keep growing. And at Time Warner, they used all their cash flow to give it to the cable operator to build more cable systems. AOL was about 40% of the cash flow of the combined company. When we combined, instead of AOL taking that money and continuing to grow, they gave that money to the cable operator to build more cable systems. And that sort of stopped the growth of AOL. And if you think about it, AOL going into that merger had had 50% of the traffic of the internet in the United States came through AOL. They were Google, they were Facebook, we had everything. As a matter of fact, the last deal I did was to give our search traffic to Google in exchange for a piece of Google, which unfortunately somebody sold when it was worth a couple of billion instead of waiting until it was worth a couple of hundred billion. Um, and we were in the in the center of everything. And so much of what's been built since then, I think at AOL stayed an independent company and AOL used that cash flow to continue to grow, would have built a lot of that themselves. So. I think with a merger, you got to really make sure that you have the common vision really going in the same mm-hmm. place. And uh, and I think in that case, we weren't. I think the successful mergers, the most successful are probably tuck-ins. When you do a tuck-in, you've got a winning culture, you got a, an existing vision, and somebody's joining your, your parade. And a merger of equals, which an AOL Time Warner was, is I think where you have problems because you no longer have the North Star, you no longer have the vision now you have to go develop a new vision, which, by the way, like a startup, you may or may not get right. You've got to build a new culture, which you may or may not get right. It takes a long time to do. So I'm a, I'm a great fan of the tuck ends. I think the merger of equals are very tough, very dangerous. Bob, any lessons from the, the, the what, what brought iHeartMedia to where it is today? The, the radio at one point was a hugely fragmented industry it wasn't digital at all can you can you can you paint the picture from there to where we are today sure i you know it's interesting i think radio is a perfect example of how sometimes we as coastal elites and i will confess to being one miss what's really going on in america 
Um, I had a, uh, a meeting with about 80 of our digital people a couple of months ago. And, and I went around the room and I said, uh, how many people in this room like country music? Mind you, it was about 80 people. One person raised their hand. I go, you know, that's actually one of the biggest music genres in the United States today. Yeah. Yeah. How many people in the room drive a car to work every day? No hands went up. No oh, one drives a car to work. I go, okay, well, about 99% of people drive their car to work every day. And then I said, how many people in this room earn $67,000 a year or less? No hands went up. I go, that's actually half of America. Every other house in America is occupied by someone who earns $67,000 a year or less. That's the median household income. And so my point was that you can't trust your instincts when you're in that situation. You have to look at the data. You really have to study the consumer to make the right decision. And I think radio is one of those that if I look at Manhattan and Brooklyn, radio is not very big. If I look at a couple of areas of San Francisco or Silicon Valley, it's probably not very big. Everywhere else it's huge. Radio reaches 90% of America, which it did, by the way, in 1970. In those days, TV reached, you know, 95% of America. Today, iHeartRadio reaches about 90% of America. NBC reaches 35% of America. And yet, people didn't see that happening. I got involved with the company because it was initially a radio company. And I saw this huge reach and said, we can do a lot with this reach. One, we ought to be able to monetize it a whole lot better than we're doing. And second is we should be able to use it to build other businesses. So we built the iHeartRadio app. Uh, it's like uh, we got a 5X lead over the next largest digital uh, radio app. We used it to build big concert and uh, festival businesses, the iHeartRadio Music Festival, uh, the iHeartRadio Music Awards, uh, the iHeart uh, uh, Jingle Ball, and we used it to build podcasting. I mean, why are we the number one podcaster? We're bigger than number two and three combined because we promote it on the radio. Because we reach 90% of America, we can tell them about this new thing called podcast, and we can talk about our podcast. And so it's this, when you talk about synergies, it's this way we, we work together. And then, of course, the biggest issue we had to do was find a tech stack that would add it all because we were still selling, when I got here, still selling radio, you want to buy some, you want to buy some spots. No one wants to buy spots anymore. Uh, they want to invest their money to get a return. So you got to talk about targetability. You got to be able to monitor it. You got to show attribution. I got to be able to buy it electronically. And so we set about over, you know, a 10 year period of building out those capabilities. But it started with the base of having something that everybody in America uses every day. By the way, people use audio. Uh, it's about a third of their media use every day is audio. Uh, it gets about 9% of the advertisers, uh, advertising dollars. So there's a huge opportunity. And I think as algorithms begin to pick where people spend their money and it's based on performance, I think radio stands a great uh, chance of uh, being a beneficiary. All right. Well, we have the king of podcasts here. So the next question, inevitably, somebody wants to know how to make a great podcast. We've got Chelsea. Thanks for taking my question. I'm starting my first podcast and would love both of your advice on making it successful, booking guests, producing a good show, etc. I'm also curious, what's the ideal length and are there any special tricks for getting promoted on the big platforms like iHeart and Spotify? Well, it is, by the way, congratulations on being in podcasting. Congratulations. Um, you know, I think one of the problems with podcasting, it's a lot like a website. 
you know, today almost anybody can do a website, but the challenge still is how do you get traffic to it? Podcasting, the tools and the techniques are easy to get going. Um, so first, you've got to produce one. That's easier today. Um, but then the most important thing is figure out how you get people to listen to it. And in terms of the content, I think you find podcasts are very host driven. It's not like TV where it's all sort of production driven. And the most successful podcasts are people that you want to bond with, that you want to hang out with. Uh, remember, most of the podcast listings probably going to be done at home. Uh, they've got time to sort of kick back. They want they want you to be their friend. Um, and in terms of who you book, what you book, again, think of the consumer. What what will interest them? What will what will be fascinating to them? And if they're your friend, who would you bring into your friend circle to talk with them? And then I think on the promotion side, it's go anywhere you can. Social is really great for it. Uh, by the way, be a guest on other people's podcasts. Uh, push, uh, push every button for every opportunity you can find to get a little bit of traffic because one person will tell two and two will tell four. And it's just the math of it. And don't be discouraged if it starts out slow. Uh, give yourself time to build and build it in a very authentic way. I can only add that um, in starting this podcast, the team and I had a feeling like earlier in your career, especially, there's this gap between what you know and what you aspire to know, where you are and where you aspire to go. And there are all these people who have these insights that you don't have access to. And if we could bring them together here, it could solve a real human problem. And we've gotten a positive reaction to this show for that reason. And Chelsea asked about how long a podcast should be. I listen to some that are three hours. We try really hard to keep this one at 30 minutes because the average American commute is 30 minutes because people are busy. We're trying to help you be successful. You got other things to do. So that's that's our angle. But You know, I think even 10 or 15 minute podcasts can be successful. You don't have as many ad units, but if you're really just trying to build the best podcast for the consumer, go for that. And if you've got great 10 minutes, do a great 10 minutes. Don't stretch it to 20. He says in our 30th minute here on the podcast. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> we will be back after this message. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We got uh, Carly in Brooklyn up next. Hey Mike, I've just been laid off and this is the first real setback I have in my career. How did you handle setbacks in your career? Where did you look for support and what got you through? What do you think, Bob? Well, I think it's funny how bad things turn into good things. Uh, Early in my career, I used to be on a track and I was going one direction and then something would happen and I go, oh, this is so bad for me. This is so terrible. And something else happened as a result of that. And years later, I would look back and say, thank God that happened. Otherwise, I would never be here today. And I think when things happen, which appear to be a setback, the other way to look at it is you weren't meant to go in that direction. There's a better opportunity awaiting you. And so it's go with the flow. Keep your mind open. Uh, don't don't be bummed out. Uh, you know, I know. Look, I know there are problems with it. I know it's inevitable that you don't feel good about it. But understand that it's opening up a world of possibilities to you that wouldn't be there if you were still working in that job. And I'd also just say, Carly, there's a there's a sense, especially early in your career, that there are people at the top of the mountain who've just had nothing but success after success, and that if you miss one, you're off track. You're no longer going up the same mountain they did. And just so you know, everybody at the top of the mountain has been laid off or fired or missed a budget or bankrupted a company or something or something. Like Steve Jobs got fired. If Steve Jobs can be fired, we can all have a bad day at work and still expect to end up someplace that we can be really excited about in our careers. Oh, this is a good one. Hi, this is uh, Hector from Long Island. Uh, I got a question for Bob. I just want to know more about tequila. I love that question. Bob, our our listeners may not have all the context on why you would be the right guy to answer that question. Well, I, um, years ago, uh, spent a lot of time in Mexico and there was just bootleg tequila in this town that everybody loved because it was so smooth. You could sip it. It was none of that wince factor of tequila where you have to use salt or lime to get rid of that kick. And and I, my son was working in Las Vegas. He brought his buddy down around a nightclub in Vegas. We drank this stuff one night. And the next morning he told me, you know, he said, Mr. Pittman, I get $1,000 a bottle of Cristal in my club. I could get $10,000 a jug for this. I thought, wow, there's a business idea. No idea what I would do with it. Go back to New York. Six, seven months later, I'm at a party in Brooklyn. I meet this lady. We're chatting. And somehow in the conversation, I say, so what do you do for a living? She goes, I run Jose Cuervo in North America. I go, ah, this is fate. Quit your job. I have a great idea. Come be my partner. It's Berto Gonzalez. And we, um, we started uh, through that process, Casa Dragones Tequila, which is the smoothest tequila you'll ever have. It we sure started is. with a super smooth sipping tequila, Hoven. And, uh, and since then, have built a Blanco and an Añejo and last year, a Reposado. And uh, so for me, it was, a, it was a journey to find something different. And by the way, we did make it. We made it tequila a different way, still legally tequila. But we made it with a express purpose to make it super smooth. So we get a lot of people who say, oh, I can't drink tequila. And they taste Casa Dragones go, oh, I love this. Um, and so it's been really sort of a a journey of love and Berta and I very early on said, you know what, let's decide that we're going to have the greatest tequila in the world. 
if we can't make it as smooth as this bootleg stuff we were using sort of as our as our example, then let's just shut the company down. And when we did that, we said, okay, and if the connoisseurs don't think this is the greatest tequila in the world, let's just shut the company down. If we can, and then each step we had an if, 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 but it was always about quality and always about doing something great. And Berta has been just this inspired uh, leader. She's the CEO of the company. And every time she hits a hurdle, she doesn't say, oh, I hit a hurdle. She goes, oh, this happened. Now we should do this. That always talks about solutions to hurdles, never hurdles as blockers. And, uh, and it's just been an incredible growth trajectory for the company. And, uh, and by the way, I get a lot of tequila to drink. <laughs> I strongly, uh, I strongly recommend the tequila for sure. We've uh, let's do one the last one. And this is this is one on advice. Hi, this is Jessica. Um, I was just wondering, what's the best advice you've ever gotten in your career? The best advice I've ever gotten in my career. I, uh, you know, I think probably the best advice is is don't listen to anybody else. Uh, find your own path. Um, and and I think that is probably done the most for me of anything else have the security to go if you got an idea believe in it and go and don't be dissuaded because others don't like the idea or don't believe in it and uh, and i would say for everybody you know you, you'll have a regret if you don't do your idea and things don't work out you'll be regretful you didn't try your idea if you try your idea and didn't work at least you tried your idea you don't have any regrets and life is about this series of trial and error. And uh, and I, I, I think it, it worked for me, and I think it probably works for most people. Bob, this has been an inspiration and a pleasure, and it has been wonderful to have you on the show. I want to thank you very, very much. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Team, was that amazing? We sat down today with Bob Pittman, who's run company after company that has impacted the lives of millions of people and in a number of ways defined our generation. His energy is amazing. His, his vice is off the chart. You know, one thing I want to reflect on from our conversation today, some of you know, I wrote a book. It's called The Career Manifesto. It's about writing a plan for your career, finding the things that make you passionate, identifying the gaps between where you are and, and the kinds of roles that you would get the most out of, and working every angle to make sure that you're building your career and you're getting to that realization. Well, somebody whose career I've admired my whole life came in today and said, you can't make a plan. It's all random. And you might go down three different paths. And as I reflected on that, I found an area of overlap between the way I look at it and have looked at it historically and what Bob said. And I would tell you, I agree with Bob. I think it's really important to identify your goals in life, the place where you want to be, to be constantly investing in your own learning and improving, to move closer and closer to the capabilities you need, but you can't know what industries, what technologies, what trends are gonna exist five or 10 or 20 years from now. You can put yourself in a position to be a capable leader or marketer or accountant or programmer or whatever the thing is that's right for you. You can find the lane that's a great fit for you and continue to make yourself more valuable, more impactful, more capable within that lane. But just as Bob noted, you got to stay flexible. John Lennon, who said, life is what happens when you're making other plans. And certainly, I'm where I am at this moment, loving the job I have right now, because somebody I didn't ask to come along and 
by my last company, came along and bought my last company. And I was at that company because of things that happened at the one previous that I hadn't planned for either. So I don't know if we were to tie it, Bob's wisdom into my suggestion, I'd still lay out where you'd like to go generally in your career, but understand you're not going to know exactly what doors are going to open for you on the way. Be opportunistic. Look for good luck. Take those breaks. Make your moves. And stay on your grind, my friends. We will uh, we'll see you here next week. If you want to submit a question for me and our future guests, please use the link in the description or hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Stibe. You can also call us at 213-419-0596 and just leave your question as a voice message. Your question may be driving the next interview we have here on Office Hours. I want to thank Bob for that incredible interview. And of course, Jen, Meg, Jada, Matt, the whole team at Blue Duck Media for pulling this all together. I want to thank Dylan and Christopher at iHeart and Ben and the team at William Morris Endeavor for all their support. Office Hours is a production of Blue Duck Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.